This is a story that you may well have heard before, but it illustrates well the point of today's Bible passage. There was once a man walking along a beach, and he was so absorbed in his thoughts that he didn't notice that the tide was coming in rapidly behind him, cutting off his retreat. He quickly scrambled up on the rocks until he found a ledge in the cliff. But he knew it could only be a temporary respite. When high tide came, the ledge would be covered. By now, he was in a state of panic, and he prayed fervently to God to save him. A short time went by, and then a passing fishing boat spotted him and came to offer assistance. No, thank you, he answered. I've prayed to God for help, and I know he'll come and save me. The water levels continued to rise higher and higher, and then a lifeboat came, followed closely by a rescue helicopter. But despite their best efforts, the man made the same response. No, thank you. I prayed to God for help, and I know he'll come and save me. And again, the would-be rescuers went away, shaking their heads. The man continued to urgently scan the horizon, waiting for God to arrive. But finally, there was no more time, and he drowned. Prior to the incident in today's Gospel, John the Baptist has been well known as a radical prophet with a fierce and uncompromising message. Repent, he said, for the kingdom of heaven has come. It has come near, you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And he clearly recognises Jesus' divine status when he approaches him as one of the many who were seeking baptism. But today's reading presents a very different picture of John. Things appear to have gone badly awry. John's blunt prophetic witness has offended King Herod, and as a result, he's now languishing in prison. Gone is the strength and confidence that were the prominent characteristics of the John we first met. In his place is a man who presents as frail, depressed, and totally overwhelmed by his situation, and most significantly, fearing that he may have been mistaken about Jesus. John was a man of his time, and he shared in the contemporary expectation of so many others that the Messiah would come as a conquering hero who would free Israel from political oppression. This personal experience of failure just didn't fit into that picture at all. So John, through his disciples, asks the question, 
Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? John's situation is desperate and will soon end in his death. And Jesus' response to his question does nothing to soften the bleakness of his plight. Neither does it attempt to offer any superficially easy reassurance. Instead, Jesus quietly but firmly encourages John to refocus his eyes on the true goal. Because the signs of the kingdom are all around for those who have the eyes to see. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, is the message that he sends him. As John's disciples return to their master in prison, Jesus turns again to the crowds and reaffirms to them the divine significance of the person and work of John the Baptist. So as I suggested earlier, the illustration we had at the beginning offers a familiar little tale that's been doing the rounds in Christian circles for a good number of years, but it nevertheless contains a moral which comes very close to one of the strands of teaching in today's passage. The man trapped by the tide was so sure that God would arrive in person and save him from the rising tide that he was completely unable to recognise and accept the divine help he'd asked for when it was offered through each of his three potential rescuers. John was earnestly seeking reassurance that the one he had proclaimed to be the Lamb of God was indeed so, and that he'd not been mistaken. We may not be in prison, in peril of our lives, but there are times when we also doubt and seek similar reassurance. When this happens, Jesus' response to John offers us both encouragement and a robust challenge. There is encouragement in that we are urged to trust and use our spiritual faculties to discern, discern the signs of the kingdom that may be hidden, but are nevertheless all around us. But there is also a deep challenge to our perpetual human tendency to decide for ourselves exactly how things should be and in what way God's plan should be unfolding. Remember those words from Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. So we need to let go of all our specific expectations 
and our tendency to manipulate and to allow God to be God. Have you ever noticed that when you have time to dwell on things, maybe because you're not feeling well or you're housebound, or maybe you're sitting at the bedside of someone who's very ill in hospital, how easy it is to dwell on the negative things. We allow ourselves to drift into that what-if mentality. We try to solve problems that haven't yet arisen. We create our own little prison cell and let things fester away in our minds. I can recall experiencing that very thing when I sat for many hours on the intensive care ward with my seriously ill aunt. And it was actually during the time of Advent. But my thoughts were most definitely not God's thoughts. As the potentially life-saving machinery whirred and pinged in the background, it was surprisingly easy to let the mind run away. Of all the times for this to happen, why does the vicar have to be away? I've got experienced Christmas to finalise, Christmas services to prepare, not to speak of Christmas shopping to finish. I didn't think a lot of God's timing, I can tell you. But then I saw him, right at the centre of all of this. I saw a young six-foot-three junior doctor squat down to barely conscious auntie's eye level and speak to her with such gentleness and humility that it was a privilege to watch and brought tears to my eyes. I watched the senior ward sister tending her alongside a student nurse. Her job was to manage the whole department, and yet she put it aside to do the most menial tasks. She changed Auntie's pain relief as soon as she could see she needed something stronger. She could just have waited until the next medication trolley was due but she didn't. And all the while, she meticulously explained and demonstrated to the student nurse exactly what she was doing and why. Like the man hanging from the ledge that I spoke about earlier, it would have been easy to have dismissed all of this to have looked instead for some great, mind-blowing, spiritual experience with God himself bursting through the ward doors and performing a great miracle. But I saw God in all his might and his humanity through the gifts of these people who cared 
so tenderly for a lady whose life was ebbing away before them, yet treated her as though her whole life lay ahead of her. And so my little message for you to take away today is that when, like John in his prison cell, you find yourself entering yours and began, begin to doubt that God is who he says he is, look carefully at those around you and you will see him. It may not always be comfortable, it may sometimes be challenging, just as it was for John. But you will never be let down. God is here. So let us pray. God, at this time of waiting and expectancy, we pray for faith and vision to see you at work through the lives of others. Give us the courage to open ourselves to you, that others may see you working through us. Amen.